Thank you. Well, it's great to be here to see you all and also um, enjoy the new setup, the, uh, the building. It's, it's great. We really like it very much. It's wonderful. I, I like this new pulpit too. It's great. Now, before we launch into the sermon this morning, I uh, just want to say one, one thing. Uh, you celebrated 150 years uh, not long ago, and uh, I was shown a list of uh, churches that were planted from St. Matt's in the Northern Beaches. Uh, an, an impressive list. You know, many reasons to give uh, thanks to God for the, uh, the gospel fruit that has come from St. Matt's. But please add to that list the Bible College in Santiago, and uh, now the new church in, in Santiago, the Peñalolén Church, because they, they have truly come out of so much. It's, uh, you sent us back, and, and you've been uh, faithful supporters of that. So your ministry has gone, your, your gospel fruit, I mean, has, has reached uh, that far, all the way to, to Santiago in, in, in Chile. So uh, please give thanks to God for that, and add them to your list. Now, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the uh, uh, Luke passage that was read to us. Uh, Luke chapter 6, from verse 17 to 26. And uh, before I preach, let me pray for us all. Oh dear God, it's uh, such a joy to be here. Uh, gather with your people here in Manly, singing praises to your name and being fed from your word. And we're hungry. We need your uh, guidance. We need your wisdom. We need your uh, rule in our lives. So please speak to us through this passage this morning. May your voice be, be clear and loud to all of us. And uh, give us a strong desire to obey you, to devote our entire lives to you. And uh, give us the power of your Holy Spirit, as, so that as we leave this building, we may live out the truths we're about to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, one of the things that our country is known for is earthquakes. I don't know if you knew that. They say Japan and Chile are the two most earthquake-prone countries in the world. So we get uh, shakes and tremors uh, practically every day, and uh, that might discourage you from coming to Chile. shouldn't have said that. Uh, anyway, and every 10 years or so, we have one of those huge, huge earthquakes. We had one about uh, four years ago, real, real big one, 8.8 in the Richter scale, if you're familiar with that. That's uh, nearly as big as it can get. Um, uh, so we used to, and, and if you've been in one, uh, your, your whole world shakes and collapses, and there's nothing you can grab to. Everything uh, is moving around you. Uh, and when Jesus walked into this earth, when he broke into our history and into our humanity, it really was like a huge earthquake. Nothing stayed still. Nothing stayed the same when he came into this world. 
And uh, this passage is, is one of those sections where you can more, perhaps uh, most clearly see uh, that uh, uh, big earthquake, the big shake, the big clash between uh, the things as, as they were and things as they are now with Jesus. It's a clash between two kingdoms. It's a clash between two realities, an old reality that uh, is going nowhere and the new reality that's uh, heaven-bound. It's interesting that uh, as Christians, after Jesus walked on earth, and as uh, time has gone by, centuries have gone by, uh, we are called uh, conservatives. We're referred as the conservative people in society many times. That's certainly true in Chile, and I believe it's it's true here in some time. Um, we are seen as the conservative ones, as if, as if other people have the new revolutionary ideas. But if every time you look at the gospel, you will be confronted with the truth that uh, the gospel is anything but conservative, is a revolution. And Christians are called to live uh, under this revolution, to be part of this revolution. We are called to be revolutionary. Everything is radical about the gospel. Nothing is conservative. Jesus breaks into history, into our humanity. It's a huge earthquake. Nothing stays the same. So, the old kingdom is the conservative one. The old ways are the conservative ways. Uh, the old world is the conservative way. Uh, followers of Jesus are anything but conservative. So, don't use that word to refer to yourself or to Christians. We are revolutionaries. Jesus came to change everything. And in this particular passage, we see the clash of these two kingdoms in the following way. Look at the, uh, at the blessings that Jesus uh, pronounces in, from verses 20 onwards. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you, who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil, because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Now that's radical. That's absolutely new. It's upside down. It's the upside down kingdom. There's nothing conservative about that. In fact, even as you first read it, it doesn't even make sense. Who, who would want to be poor? Who would want to hunger? Who would want to weep? And why are those blessed? Jesus brings this new revolutionary kingdom and he clashes with the old conservative one. And that is described in verses 24 to 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated 
the false prophet. So, not only does Jesus describe this old kingdom, but he says, that's not going to last. That's not good. That's wrong. I bring the new kingdom, the real kingdom. Jesus is revolutionary. You see, the old kingdom is all about power. Yes, because when he speaks about riches here, it's not only money, but everything that comes with it. So I, would, I will refer to it as power. It's all about pleasure and comfort. Those who are well fed. It's all about success. Woe to you who laugh now. And interestingly, that particular word there, it's not the word meaning laughter of joy of ha- or happiness. It's more like gloating. Um, uh, when you've uh, beaten, beaten your opponent, you've uh, uh, won the election, you've got your promotion, you're gloating. Success at the end of the day. And it's all about popularity, recognition. When everyone speaks well of you. And who wouldn't want those things? Why wouldn't you want those things? In fact, they seem to pay off. Especially if you think that all there is is the here and now. Why wouldn't you go after those things? They seem to pay off. Who's heard of the survival of the weakest? Now, it's all about the survival of the fittest. So, it makes no sense uh, not wanting these things. In fact, it is natural to go after these things, power, pleasure, success, popularity. However, in this case, natural does not mean good. Natural does not mean right. It is the natural inclination of our hearts, but it's not good. It's not right. And we have to admit it, dear friends, these things, power, pleasure, success and popularity, have a strong pull on our hearts. We constantly feel pull in that direction. They are very appealing to us, aren't they? We have to admit it. We cannot deny that. It is natural. But remember, natural is not good. Natural is not right. Now, what people who are the conservative ones according to the Bible, that is, people who live uh, in the old kingdom, who who live after power, pleasure, success and popularity, what what they don't realize till it's too late is that in the end they are never powerful enough, they are never... They have never enough pleasure, enough enough success or enough popularity and they will never last enough. They all go away eventually. That's the trick about the old kingdom. It never delivers. You feel like it does for a little while. But it never delivers. And that's that's the trick about the old kingdom and what uh, you need to see and understand as Christians. Yes, it is appealing, but it's not right. It's not good. And uh, what people in the old kingdom 
think about God and their relationship with God, if at all, uh, would be along these lines. Well, if, if God exists, well, then um, he owes me uh, because I've been a good person. I am a hard worker. I look after my family. I'm a, uh, a good citizen. So God, God owes me. There's no reason why suffering or grief or pain should come my way. God owes me. That's the way people tend to, uh, uh, people in the old kingdom tend to think about God and their relationship with God uh, if they think about it. Now, what the Bible is saying that those people are the real needy people. Those who think they um, have power and uh, have pleasure and have success and popularity. Or at least those who who seek after those things and and, uh, think of their relationship with God in terms of He owes me. They are the real failures. They are really poor. They will be rejected by God in the final day. Their full stomachs will become empty souls, empty hearts for eternity. That's the trick. So it never pays off. It never fulfills. People in this um, old kingdom don't realize that life is like a treadmill that never slows down. Never slows down. Have you been on a treadmill and you begin to get tired and you want to slow down and, and, uh, or stop and you start fiddling with the buttons and you know how to do it and it starts going faster and you're so tired you can't keep up with it? Well, life is like that. You may keep up with it for a while, but you will get tired The treadmill will get faster. You'll never be able to keep up with it. You'll never be able to keep that power, keep that pleasure, keep that success, keep that popularity. Or it's like an endless escalator that always goes faster than you. And uh, sometimes you can run fast enough that you think you're, you're making progress. But you can't keep the pace forever. You can't beat the escalator. You're forever chasing the carrot at the end of the stick. But that's being conservative. That's what the Bible would say. That's conservative. That's, that's the old way. That's what everyone does. You see? And, and that, that lifestyle leads you nowhere. And you are really, really poor. And so the blessings are for those who are prepared to admit their poverty, their lack of success, the emptiness, emptiness of their pleasure, and their passing popularity. The blessings are for those. Because when you admit that, when you admit you're poor, God Jesus says, you're blessed. When you admit that you hunger, Now, Jesus says, you are blessed. When you weep and you admit it, God says, you are blessed. 
and so on. That's the real revolutionary kingdom. And not only that, not only do you come to the point where you admit that, but then you're willing to go after Jesus and follow Jesus in a lifestyle that even if it it, uh, brings you some poverty or some hunger uh, or some weeping or some rejection, you're willing to go that way because you're going after something that is far better and lasting. So it makes you into a revolutionary. It does. It does. You see, it doesn't leave you as you were. You can't stay the same if you have encountered Jesus, if you have admitted your poverty, and you are now a true citizen of this revolutionary kingdom. If you have ceased to be a conservative, you can't stay the same. You can be you can be ridiculously generous. Yes, what if I uh, lose some of my wealth? What if? What if you do? You are reaching God and you will have all the riches of eternal life. What if uh, serving God uh, makes me suffer a bit and uh, people even take advantage of me emotionally or I go through, through pain? Yes, what if? God will comfort you eternally. God, if, what if people hate me or insult me or reject me because I am a Christian and I share the gospel with them? Yes, what if? You see, it can make you into a revolutionary because you're willing, you're prepared to take steps that no one else would be prepared to take steps. Because if the here and now is all there is, why would you want to do those things? Why would you want to share your faith with others? And why would you fight injustice in this world? Why? The gospel makes you a true revolutionary. The gospel itself is a true revolutionary. And the big resource that we have to live in this way is Jesus himself. The very king of this kingdom is himself our greatest resource to live in this way. Firstly, because he showed us with his very life what it means to live in this way, to be this kind of revolutionary, to be this kind of person, a citizen of the new upside-down kingdom. But not only that. If Jesus were only an example, all these things in the Bible and all these commands in the Bible will be only a burden upon our shoulders and our souls. Oh, I have to be generous. Oh, I have to share the gospel with my friends. Oh, I have to serve in the church. I know. We can do it. Because not only did Jesus show us how to do it, but he himself became all these things for us. He was rich but became poor so that we could be rich. We are the true poor people in this world but he, he became poor so that we could be rich. He suffered. He sacrificed. He, he endured grief and exclusion and rejection and death 
on the cross so that we could have the blessing of the new kingdom, the relationship of, with the Father, the love of the Father, eternal life with Jesus. He Himself is our biggest resource because He is our substitute. Because He became everything we are not and He became everything we are so that we could become true citizens of this kingdom. It's very interesting that these words come after Jesus come down, comes down the mountain. Uh, in verse uh, 12, uh, we see that Jesus had gone up the mountain with the disciples. Verse 17, he comes down with them. And uh, comes, uh, stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Friends, it's no coincidence that he decided to say these things after he came down the mountain. Coming down the mountain would have been a clear signal that Jesus was bringing in the revolutionary kingdom. Because, guess what? Where, where do you think revolutionaries in the days of Jesus would have, would have gone to hide? In the mountains in Galilee. And he came down the mountain in Galilee to bring in this new kingdom. Jesus was saying with that simple statement, I am bringing in a revolutionary kingdom. And he heals people. He cures people. Signaling that the, the old world, the conservative world, the old kingdom is gone. Now is a new kingdom, a new life. Where healing and blessing are available to all. The old is gone. The old party is over. Here is the new kingdom. And so we're all faced with that choice. In which kingdom do we want to live? I take it most of you, if not all of you, have already decided to live in the new kingdom, the upside-down kingdom, the revolutionary kingdom. Well, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the best thing. But let us not neglect the big pull on our hearts of the old kingdom where power and success and pleasure and popularity are still very attractive. And God may give you some of that. Praise God. Be a good steward. But remember, that's not the real thing. But God may also bring grief and rejection and persecution into your life. And remember, we can't say to God, Oh, you owe me. No, God does not owe us anything. And you see people in the new kingdom, in this revolutionary kingdom, learn to prize these things. That is, suffering, grief, rejection. Yes, we don't seek them because we're not masochists. But if God brings them into our lives, if we have to go through that 
as our life, a Christian life, our service to God, we learn to prize those things. And we're strengthened and comforted by Jesus and by His words that say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Let me leave you with two questions to ponder that will be a, a good test of you know, um, which way you are leaning the first one, perhaps the most important one, is are you content with whatever God brings into your life? The Apostle Paul in Philippians says, I've had much, I have lit- I've had little. Sometimes I've got, have had plenty, sometimes I've gone hungry. But in all things, I've been content. For I can do all things in Jesus who strengthens me. Are you content with everything God brings into your life? If you are temporarily enjoying uh, wealth and uh, success and pleasure and uh, popularity, be a good steward, be grateful, use that for God. Remember, it will not last and it's not the real thing. There's something better coming. Remember that. There is something better coming. And if you're going through a time of suffering and uh, grief and rejection, remember, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Are you content with whatever God is bringing into your life? And lastly, Who do you hang out with? Who do you spend most of your time with? People that you can get something from that will give you something back or will help you advance in your goals or people that you can truly love and serve. Those are are two very good tests to see which way we are leaning. May God help us all be true revolutionaries living in the upside-down kingdom. Let's pray. Take a moment in the silence of your heart to say to God what you may feel is appropriate now. Dear Father, you have spoken to us, your people. Help us to show you our love by submitting to this word. Help us with those things we struggle with, either accepting as truth or living out in our lives, although we know them true. And help us to encourage one another in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you. Dios les bendiga. That's God bless you in Spanish.